HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. With me, your host, Erica Wides. Today is February 9th, 2016. We are now 40 days into this year. 40 days into the new year. And at the end of this week, right, today is Tuesday. If you're listening live, today is Tuesday. If you're podcasting us at some point in the future, I don't know, whatever. But at the end of this week, the holiday season, holiday in quotes, holiday season will officially come to a screeching halt. The end of this week, it ends on, you know when, the 14th Valentine's Day. The dreaded, the loved, the reviled, the indifferent Valentine's Day. Holiday season, done. That's where it ends. Unless, of course, Easter rolls around early. I mean, Easter's coming. And then we begin the next round of sugar gorging and present shopping and decorating and holiday madness and segments on morning TV shows about what to do for Easter. Because people now apparently buy Easter presents, too. Like now, I guess, according to, you know, morning show TV, you have to actually buy Easter presents. Shop. It's a thing. Yeah. So, you know, let's all go out and celebrate the crucifixion and mythological resurrection of a Jew by buying each other new Xboxes or pink fuzzy Uggs. That's Easter. But I have a really good idea. How about we take those Uggs and we fill them with plastic Easter grass and jelly beans 
I know. Cool, right? I saw it on Pinterest. Yeah. And then eat the jelly beans and then throw away the Uggs. How about that? Because Uggs are, as I've said many times before, seriously, the ugliest footwear ever invented. And I know because I lived through the 1970s and nothing gets worse than what happened then. And nobody over the age of four should be wearing squishy booties. I'll say it again. Okay. But anyway, the holidays, the holiday season every year, right? Holiday season. It begins with Halloween, leading up to Halloween. Right after Labor Day, we're heading into Halloween. Whoop, starts to go. You see the pink, the orange, the pumpkins, the candy starts to come out. What are you going to wear? The whole build up Halloween. Soon as Halloween's over, boom, right into Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving is merely just a blip. It's just a little day to eat more than you normally eat in your large eating days of your life. The blip of Thanksgiving over, done, boom, it went into December. It's your December holiday of choice, whatever your religious cultural affiliation might be. Holiday of choice that also requires a huge cash outlay and much eating of not very good red and green dyed baked goods. Despite which holiday in December you choose to celebrate, you're going to eat red and green baked goods or like maybe your baked goods will be white and blue, the official Hanukkah colors or... Maybe they'll be Kwanzaa colored. I don't know what that is. I think there's orange and green in there. And then it all kind of peaks out New Year's Eve. The whole trajectory, it starts right after Labor Day, rises, 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 New Year's Eve. We peak out on New Year's Eve. And then in like a heave of exhaustion, everybody collapses. We get a little breather in January where we all pretend to dry out and to like get back in shape and eat better and all of those things. And then it all just revs right back up again in a blaze of red and pink feelings of inadequacy and resentment and misery in mid-February when V-Day rears its head, right? And then just when you're speaking to your spouse or your partner again after they've given you a new sports bra for Valentine's Day and you feel like you can never look or speak to them again, but, but you do... And then when you think that it's safe to go back outside again without the assault of the holiday industrial complex in your face at every turn and things slow down again just long enough for the snow to melt and the sun to come back and your taxes to get done, then it's Easter. Or for my peeps, Passover or what I just call spring Thanksgiving because my satyrs are really just about getting out the nice napkins and having friends over for a big meal with handmade matzah. It's not really about like the story. Well, we tell the story, but it's spring Thanksgiving. But somehow Passover has not yet been turned into a gifting or carding holiday the way all the other formerly non-gifty cardy holidays like Halloween have become. But I'm sure that somewhere, somewhere in a secret underground secured location in Hallmark's Kansas City headquarters, that's where Hallmark is, Kansas City, Somebody, somebody is sitting at a desk in front of a Mac with a giant screen designing Passover cards and gifts. I'm sure. I mean, maybe, actually, I bet they already exist. I bet you can send Passover cards. Are there Passover? I don't know. I haven't actually been in a Hallmark store since probably the mid-90s. And I don't even know if there still are Hallmark stores. I thought I remembered that they had gone out of business, the stores. I, I don't, I don't know. I actually used to love the Hallmark store in my town growing up, but that's another story. Now, all of them, all those holidays, Halloween, 
Valentine's Day, Easter. I mean, forget Christmas and Hanukkah. They've all become candy, gifty, candy, orgy, spend fests. Right? Candy, gifty, cardy, just spending fests. Kids now get Easter presents. Easter presents. Okay, not just a plastic basket from the supermarket with a few milk chocolate bunnies and some Brock's jelly beans. You know, like I used to get. Well, no, I didn't used to get. But like I used to envy and covet my other friends getting. No, now it's presents. Now, two nameless, shall not be named little girls, I know, who may or may not be sort of related to me somehow. That's all I'm going to say. Who live in a gigantic house where there's one 800 square foot room just filled with their toys. And by the way, that's the size of my whole apartment, 800 square feet. But they have this room in their house just for their toys. Oh, and those are the toys that they rarely play with, which is why they're in that room. Because they also have piles of stuff downstairs in the other room in front of the 100-inch TV that's never turned off. But anyway, enough about them. They get Easter presents. Easter presents. Who gets presents for Easter? And Halloween presents and Valentine's Day presents. And I can't even discuss Christmas, so let's not. But I actually love these two little girls. So it's not about them. It's about their adults in their lives. And when I visit them, I always say, let's go play outside. Away from all the crap. Away from all the plastic, the Barbies, the blinking, shining, unicorning toys. Let's go play outside. Where I'll pull them around like in a little toy wagon and we'll we'll pretend it's the Long Island Railroad. And we'll giggle about town names like Ronkonkoma and Spionk and Babylon. And they'll hand me little tickets that they pretend are leaves. Leaves that are little tickets and I'll punch them. Because fuck you, Hallmark. You can't make up that kind of fun in a corporate boardroom in Kansas City. Can you? You can't ruin everything. You could still pretend a little maple leaf is a train ticket and laugh at the word Ronkonkoma, can't you? But Valentine's Day, the end of this week, it's coming. It's coming. Here we go again. I know. I cannot believe already because I, I know that as you tuned in today, as you were like, wow, she's doing a live new show. Amazing. Because she never does them anymore. Where's she been? Well, that's another story. Busy. Busy in a way. But as you tuned in today, I know, I know what you were thinking. I read your minds. You were thinking, oh my God, seriously, is it her Valentine's Day show again already? Is she going to simultaneously drone and rage on yet again about cookie dough filled croissants or brownie batter filled inglullers? That's a new one I made up this year. That's an English muffin cruller mashup that I just invented. English muffin cruller mashup filled with brownie batter goo. And the croissant I only did so that I wouldn't get sued for copyright infringement. Is she going to, is she again going to go down there and do it again? Am I? I don't know. Well, I mean, do you want me to? Do you want me to do it again? Do you want me to sit here and rant and rage again? After all these years, I mean, after five years and five Valentine's Day shows of me raging against all the crap that shows up this time of year. Do you want me to do it again? I mean, even I'm sick of it. I'm sick of myself and I'm my biggest fan. Okay. But if you really, really want me to, well, let, you know what? Let's take a little break and I'll think about it. Okay. And then we'll come back. 
And the song you're listening to right now is called Dreams by Taxstar. We'll be right back. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome, welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Weitz, your host. You know what I haven't mentioned in a while? That you should probably follow me on Twitter, at Let's Get Real Show. I've been really slacking with the social media stuff lately. It kind of just makes me tired, but at Let's Get Real Show. I'm even on Instagram, at Let's Get Real Show, but I always forget to post. How do people remember to do all this stuff? And, of course, we have the Let's Get Real Show Facebook page. That I check every day. So if you want to leave a comment, write to me, send me funny pictures, fan mail, whatever. That's the place to do it, really. Or Twitter. All right. So before we left the last segment, I, you know, I was thinking about it. Whether, whether I really do want to talk about Valentine's Day again, about all the donuts and the filled cookie dough coffee creamer yeah my usual stuff it's been i've been beating that horse for a really long time and i thought about it whether i'm going to go down that road or not this year and you know what the answer is no sorry but no i'm just not going to go there this year not just because I'm so sick of hearing myself talk about it. I mean, as I have said, I am my biggest fan. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. And I could probably be happy hearing myself forever ranting and droning on about artificially brownie batter flavored corn syrup and hydrogenated fat sludge piped into a heart-shaped white flour sugar and chemical-filled dough blob that's deep-fried in more hydrogenated fat and then coated with a smear of more corn syrup and hydrogenated fats and colors and then topped with hard sugar and food dye sprinkles intensely and aggressively marketed at obese, lonely, depressed men and women who got that way in the first place from eating the non-heart-shaped, non-holiday versions of those very donuts. But no, I'm not going to talk about that stuff. I'm not going to do it. Sorry. No. I'm also not going to mention the cookie dough flavored goo filled heart shaped fried dough blobs covered in corn syrup based edible shellac either. Sorry. No. I'm not those either. You're going to have to look for that somewhere else because it's not happening here today on this show. But it's not because I didn't want to. Okay, this is not like me giving up or saying, oh, I'm tired. Well, I am tired of it. But it's not for lack of trying or lack of want it's because that stuff is old news it's so 2014 and this is 2016 and it's because dunkin donuts the parent company of those heart-shaped donuts the purveyor the artisanal purveyor of those fine products. They have not held up their end of the game this year. They are not playing along. They're not keeping up their end of the bargain. 
they're just marketing the same old, same old cookie dough and brownie batter filled heart shaped donuts that they introduced a few years ago for Valentine's Day. And how boring is that? What is that all about, Dunkin' Donuts? I was expecting some new monstrosity from you for Valentine's Day this year, and you have completely and totally let me down. I mean, has their innovation and culinary development team fallen asleep at the wheel this year? Is there no one in their R&D kitchen thinking great thoughts, testing new ideas, pushing boundaries, building the next great holiday-themed donut? What's going on there, Dunkin' Donuts, in that R&D kitchen? Did you have layoffs, pay cuts? Did someone die? Or are they so busy launching their artisanal caramel macchiatos and their new sausage egg sandwich and steak sandwich combinations that they've forgotten their core mission? The core mission of Dunkin' Donuts, which is to provide deep fried dough blobs filled with goo to the great American obese masses. They've become so focused on their sort of fautisanal products, the macchiatos, the turkey apple sausage on ciabatta. Have they gone all Brooklyn on us? You know what I mean by gone all Brooklyn on us? Like Brooklyn as an adjective. Like, oh, that's so Brooklyn. Like, all handcrafted and time-consuming, all single-origin and ethically sourced, all layered milk and coffee carefully constructed in a glass by a guy with a twirly mustache and suspenders and cheat cheese, little wedges of cheese on a, on a slate plank. Um, no, I mean, not really. No, that's not exactly where they're going with this. I mean, they're still Dunkin' Donuts, right? I mean, who are we kidding? But they sure seem to be trying to be more Brooklyn as an adjective in the way that Brooklyn has become kind of synonymous with all of that crap. And there seems to be an awful lot of that going around these days, that kind of Brooklyn as an adjective. As a matter of fact, just this morning when I was up at the crack of dawn writing the show and doing my research, I read an article in Gothamist. You know Gothamist? Gothamist is this... Uh, they're in every big city in New York, right? They're Chicagoist. I mean, in the country. Chicagoist, LAist. Gothamist. I read an article in Gothamist that made me just think, frankly, that maybe it's time to give up on Brooklyn. I'll get to the article in a second. But I read this article that made me... I think Brooklyn as a life, what am I trying to get? Brooklyn as a lifestyle? Maybe I've had enough of that. Enough Brooklyn. I mean, here I am sitting right behind Roberta's Pizza. Like, you cannot get more Brooklyn as a lifestyle than this place. Right? I haven't come in here since day one. I've had enough of it to last me a lifetime or until I sell my once very cheap Brooklyn loft apartment that I bought 20 years ago this spring and retire forever to the mountains somewhere, specifically somewhere where there's no humidity because I'm tired of sweating, and laughing to the end on my big pile of cash that I made on the apartment at the fools who so desperately want to live that Brooklyn dream. Um, Like the people all sitting here. No, they're here because the food's great. It's a different story. It is great. I had lunch here at Roberta's last week. Oh, so good. Anyway, that place will be a place, as I said, with no humidity. Because I'm done with the sweating. And that place most definitely will not be in Australia. Because that article I read this morning in Gothamist 
which is one of my favorite daily reads, by the way. Every day I read Gothamist, sometimes twice a day because it changes. In today's Gothamist, there was this exceptionally cringy article, cringeworthy article about Australia's newfound obsessive love with all things Brooklyn. Australia. Can you get further away? I don't think so. All things Brooklyn. Like food trucks and little pop-up restaurants and alleys and all curated and designed to have a Brooklyn theme. In Australia, former penal colony. Now, one entrepreneur bro type guy and his actual bro, his brother, his bro brother, who are responsible for creating this urban Disney theme park nightmare, even called Australia America's little brother, although they said it in their accent, America's little brother. That's not very good Australian accent. Because he says that Australia is always three years behind us in picking up trends. So they're like the younger sibling. It takes them three years to, to catch up with them. But how can you be like, how is being Brooklyn? Like, that's not a trend. It's not a trend. That's just like out and out. Like, we have nothing. So let's just emulate you. Which is, I guess, what actually what little siblings do, right? I, I did that. But I think that I would say, here's what I would say. Australia isn't like America's little brother. Australia is more like Australasia's Ohio. Because it's in Australasia. It's not in Asia. You know, it's its own continent. But then there was this big argument on Gothamist about whether Australia is in Asia or not. People completely got off the whole fact that Australia is going through this, like, Brooklyn-crazed theme park moment. And they were all screaming at each other about whether Australia is in Asia or not. And people were like, it's continent, but it's in Australia. Anyway, so I wouldn't say Australia is America's little brother. I would say Australia is the Ohio of Australasia. Three years behind us on trends. Very flat kind of racist and with a really grating, annoying accent. That's Australia. And of course, they have their requisite cronut truck. Those bro bros started a little cronut truck. They also own a coffee shop. Get this called Tribeca NYC Coffee Shop. I bet they can't even tell you what Tribeca stands for. Tribeca. It's an acronym. Triangle Below Canal. Tribeca. Tribeca NYC. Where, at this coffee shop, Tribeca NYC, they sell bagels. Now, both of these bros spent some time in the U.S. One was a pro surfer, I think, and one was like a semi-pro baseball player, maybe. I don't know. They both look like Nazis to me because they're like huge and blonde. But they both spent some time here. And so they're very familiar with our exotic ethnic foods. Okay. So they opened this coffee shop called Tribeca NYC, and they sell bagels there because they have spent time in the U.S. So they sell bagels. And he tried to sell onion bagels and, you know, sesame bagels and even apparently jalapeno bagels. Jalapenos are big in Australia, but ew, really? Jalapeno? But all those bland white Aussies ever wanted were his plain bagels. They didn't want the onion. They didn't want the jalapeno. They didn't want anything except a plain bagel with jam. Or as they would say, jim, jim, with jim. Plain bagel with jim. What the, what? What is that? Jam. Jam. Is this Downton Abbey? Do we sit around in the afternoon and have tea and bagels with jam? You don't put jam on a bagel and a plain. What's the point of eating a plain? Like, if you're going to eat a bagel, you do it because you want the stuff on it. The onions, the poppy seeds, the everything. You don't eat plain. I mean, you may as well eat like a Dunkin' Donuts classic jelly donut instead. Am I right? 
All right, we're going to take another brief break, and then we'll come back, and we'll bash Australia some more. Sounds like fun. And this one's called Glass City by Nair. We'll be right back on Heritage Radio. Oh, welcome back to Let's Get Real. <laughs> I was expecting a longer break there, Jack. Sorry. <laughs> I was looking out the window. This woman, she has a very 90s haircut. Anyway, uh, welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding parenting food on HeritageRadioNetwork.org with me, your host, Erica Watts. I'm also kind of jealous of her pizza because I'm hungry. And we were talking about Indian cooking before I came in. Jack's been doing Indian cooking. And now I'm thinking about Indian food and I'm hungry and... Last night I taught a Moroccan class, and that, that was really good. I, I think I'm just hungry. Okay, so while we're on the subject of bagels, I never really talk about bagels in here because I don't really eat them, but bagels. And Brooklyn, my hometown. And, yeah, I mean, I stopped eating bagels years ago pretty much when I realized how carb-sensitive I am. Even saying that makes me sound douchey. I'm carb-sensitive. But it's true. If I eat, like, a giant wad of white flour like that, I'm kind of ruined for the rest of the day. And also, like, you can't, you couldn't find good ones for a long, long time anymore in New York. Not like growing up on Long Island. Those were good bagels. They were small and hard and crunchy and had really good interiors. Then they became gigantic and puffy and squishy and horrible. And then I stopped eating them. But now there's, like, this place, Black Seed. And there's all these, like, new neo-Jew food places that have opened up. Like, my people, like, the people... I would say the like second and third generation American Jews, millennial kids have, it's great. Actually, they've re, they brought back that whole like tradition of like deli and cured meats and everything. It's really good because that was all disappearing and they're doing it in like a really high quality way. So it's all really great. Everybody's happy. Okay. But, and I stopped eating bagels, but maybe I will again, but I'm digressing. I mean, what else do I do anyway? So now. Remember, I'm not talking about Valentine's Day. Have you noticed? Did you keep up? I'm not. A little rant in the beginning. So there's this guy in Brooklyn. I saw this on Gothamist too, actually. This guy in Brooklyn, he owns a bagel store. And um, he's now making these, um, I can't even say it, rainbow-colored bagels. And apparently they're the new Cronut. Because Cronut wasn't bad enough. So now this guy's making these rainbow-colored bagels. And so I saw a video about this a few months ago, and it was kind of this, like, really hypnotic, kind of seductive video to watch. But I was also horrified and disgusted by it, of this um, guy who makes these bagels, and he divides the dough into, like, seven or eight different really intense saturated colors, and then he twists it all together into this giant swirly, blobby mass of dough and then forms them into these into these bagels and so i saw this video a couple months ago horrified and disgusted and then i just assumed that it would you know just fade away like so many wrap sandwiches or you know juice bars just disappear but no but no suddenly there are lines out the door for his psychedelic bagels that are made with five or six different colored doughs inside 
colored dough. And then they're all wound up, like I said, and kneaded. And they create this like psychedelic, swirly, rainbow unicorn LSD trip of a bagel. Now, to me, those colors, they're not edible. I mean, it's so bright and so saturated that it doesn't look like food. Those bagels actually look exactly like something I would have made with my Play-Doh Fun Factory when I was, you know, seven or eight years old. And I loved my Play-Doh Fun Factory because it was kind of like having a bakery or having like a pasta factory or something. I loved that toy. I wish I still had one. Actually, my nieces who have all the toys, they have one. So I play with their, them sometimes. But uh, so, yeah, he's making these 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 trippy looking bagels and nothing that colorful and bright okay nothing those colors other than actual fruit should ever be eaten okay unless of course it's in an easter basket but only around easter time and i have you know my secret not really secret anymore love of easter candy which i've mentioned to you i do love the easter candy but you know once a year but the colors in this dough like they they just they get to me, but the colors in Easter candy, for some reason, that's okay, and I, I give it a little pass. It's all right. Once a year. And yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a place in food for ridiculous amounts of dye, but a very small place, and, you know, minimally, like in jelly beans, or in the occasional cupcake icing, or in Frankenberry cereal. No, not really. Like, who would eat that? Who feeds that to their kids? But nobody takes those things seriously as food, do they? Uh, maybe. Maybe stoners. I don't know. But actually, you know what? Having recently flown a couple of times in very crowded airplanes, I can say that, yes, plenty of people take that stuff as food because I'm really small and, like, I got overflowed by a person in the chair next to me. So I guess people do take that stuff as food. But those colors, those colors, those, like, vibrant, saturated, Roy G. Biv colors, lavender, fuchsia, they, they don't belong in the ancestral, traditional bread of my long-oppressed people. I'm sorry. They just don't. No. No rainbow bagels allowed. They don't even look like food. And this isn't even about foodiness. I mean, lest we finish out a show without mentioning the core plank of our platform. We always have to mention foodiness. Because if they were foodiness, each of the different colors would actually be fortified with a different vegetable powder or a different flavor or they... They would have claimed that they had added omega-3s or probiotics. No. This is just a crime against food and humanity. This is a holiday card against humanity. That's what this is. Out and out. It's a crime. And a huge waste of dye pigments, you know, by the way, which are manufactured from all sorts of resources that, you know, may or not be running out and yet all the foodie suckers in nyc are lining up for them like sheep like sheep people like sheeple waiting for their own twisty swirly seven colored blob of dough to be eaten with cream cheese please okay put cream cheese on it but not with jam we're not in australia let's not get too carried away please not with jam maybe the guy who invented the rainbow bagel can pick up the baton where Dunkin' Donuts seems to have dropped it into their vat of cookie dough goo. Maybe he can resurrect where they left off. Maybe he can franchise. Maybe he can start a whole chain of colored themed bagels pinned to different holidays or wedding color themes or political rallies. 
How cool would that be? Maybe he should do a version in varied swirly shades of pink and red and market them for Valentine's Day. Dunkin' Donuts has completely dropped the ball on this one. We have the same old heart-shaped cookie dough donuts that we've had for the last three years. There's nothing new out there. This guy could totally be filling that vacuum, fill that void, that heart-shaped void. He could do the swirly pink and red for Valentine's Day. He could do one in light pink and baby blue and pale green for Easter. I mean, hell, what about red, white, and blue bagels for Patriot's Bagel for the 4th? Why not? And then he could retreat and spend the rest of the summer vacation perfecting his orange and black version. Because you know Halloween is really just around the corner. I mean, it is February. And you know where we go from there. Because that's where it all begins again. The great circle of holiday food life. I mean, you better get to work, bagel guy. Because the holidays are coming. It's already February and you only really have a few months left. And it's always the holiday season, somewhere, forever. Even in Australia, where everything's upside down and backwards, you could start marketing your Christmas bagels right now, probably. Those guys wouldn't know the difference. They would just put jam on them and eat them. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening. Let's get real. Cooking show about finding, preparing food. As always, thanks to Jack Inslee in the booth. Thanks to Ben Kaplan for writing my theme music. You can follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. We'll see you next week. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 